Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you. Thank you for joining me again today. In this lesson, we're going to continue in our Oaks of Righteousness Discipleship Program, and today we're going to consider Lesson 6, Sapling Part 2. We've been talking about the stages of the Oaks development, and now we're going to continue discussing the sapling stage and see it to its completion in reference to, say, the oak tree's development compared to that of the Christian and the growth of the Christian, because discipleship is all about growing in Jesus Christ. So I want us to begin here, basically from where we left off in the last lesson. And in the last lesson, we talked about the need for the sapling to be growing upward, the need for it to be developing trunk and larger stem and, and solidification in the root system and the internal growth in the tree and how that correlates a lot with what the scriptures are teaching us about growing in Christ and Peter's staircase, you might call it, in terms of adding to our faith climbing those ladders and adding things to the foundation, which is our faith to start with. So in this stage, let's continue moving forward. This is where we are growing in Christ in earnest internally, and more and more of it is being seen externally. This is where the sapling is growing, 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 growing to full maturity eventually. But it's a long process, especially for an oak tree. And so, in essence, it's a lifelong process. I want us to talk about it, though, because this is where we are truly growing in earnest. The author of Hebrews speaks to this in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 14, is one place where he tells us about this. Let's look at that passage, beginning in verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So what the author of Hebrews is telling us here is that he's writing to people who, based on the time that they've known the Lord and opportunities that they've had, they should be farther along in their Christian growth than what they are. They are still taking in the milk of the word, and by this time, they should be eating more food. It's a similar situation where if you looked at a a child that was, let's say, four years old or six years old, and that child is still drinking milk from a bottle, then that indicates that something is wrong. The child has not grown. The child has not been trained. Now, there may be physical reasons for that. There are different diseases and other things that, that perhaps could cause something like that. But the point is, normally, a child, by the time they are four, five, six years old, are eating from the table normal foods. They can eat chicken. They can eat meat. They can eat other things. So 
the author of Hebrews here is saying, you should be at that stage. You're like a six-year-old child still drinking from a bottle of milk. And so Paul is simply telling them, you need to be growing up. You're, you're not as grown up in the faith as you should be. So there's an expectation of continuing to grow in our faith. The milk is for the babies. Yes, it is. And that's exactly what they need. But just as we talked about in the last lesson, you begin to need and develop to where you can eat other foods, starting with softer things. Yes, those are first. So the author of Hebrews here is encouraging them to grow up, to begin to take on the solid meat of the word, the food that is in the word, and begin to grow from there. So he's encouraging them to solidify their understanding of the doctrines of the Christian faith and then to grow from there. So let's talk about how we do that. First of all, let's read Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. The author writes, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. In other words, that's the foundation. That's where we started. We started with our faith. And just like Peter had said, adding to your faith. So the author of Hebrews here is concurring with what Peter had written. In essence, he's saying, we're not going to lay down the, again the foundation. We've already got the foundation. Now it's time to build upon that. Now it's time to grow from that. So he says, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So he's saying here to build upon the faith. The faith is the, the foundational level is what he mentions here. Repentance from dead works, faith toward God. That happens at salvation. Then he lists some elementary principles that also form the foundation of our faith. These are the basic doctrines, and we'll discuss those in more detail in coming levels and coming lessons in the future. But in summary form, he gives them to us here. First of all, repentance from dead works, and faith in God, salvation in Jesus by faith. That's where it all starts. And then he says, the foundation of the doctrine of baptisms. And he does list it as plural here. Now, there are several different baptisms spoken of in the scriptures. And we may or may not participate in all of those. Let's talk about the few that we want to mention right now. There is obviously water baptism. In the days of John the Baptist, it was called the baptism of repentance. This is also spoken of in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, and in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. And it gives us application to us today in how we undergo baptism, water baptism, immersion, as a symbolic and public declaration of what has happened in our heart. When we have gotten saved, because going down into the water signifies deadness to sin, that we have died in Christ and being raised up out of the water signifies that we are now raised with Jesus Christ 
into new life, newness of life. The old person is dead and the new person is what rises up, made new in Christ, a brand new creation, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The Bible also speaks of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of fire. It also speaks of the baptism of persecution and martyrdom. Jesus speaks of this specifically as how he addressed in the Gospels what he was about to endure for the world. Then the author of Hebrews tells us that another part of the foundational doctrines of the faith is the laying on of hands that signals an impartation for service for various ministries within the church, for various offices or healings and gifts. He speaks also of the resurrection of the dead, understanding that all of life is brief and will pass away at a time to come. But when there comes the time of the resurrection, we will be raised again into new life, into eternal life. And then he speaks of the foundational doctrine of eternal judgments. When that resurrection happens, the very next thing to happen is a judgment. It deals with the seriousness of this life while we're here, while we're breathing, and our choices that we make here to determine our destiny there. The choices that we make now that will determine our destiny then. For unbelievers, those who finally, in their very last breath, still reject Jesus Christ and will not repent before him, their time is up, their opportunity is done and over, and they will then be resurrected at the time period that Revelation 20 speaks of in the great white throne judgment, and they will then find eternity in hell, eternal torment, eternal separation from God and light and joy and peace, eternal utter darkness, eternal torment. That's for the unbelievers, those who will not repent even up to their very last breath. They will not give Jesus the welcome into their heart as Lord and Savior. They will not receive him as their Lord and Savior. Then that is the judgment that they will awaken to, and it is eternal. But there's also an eternal judgment for the believers. It's called the Bema Seat, or the Judgment Seat of Christ. Paul speaks of it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it is not a judgment for sin because Jesus has taken our sin away, and we have believed in him and believed that his blood was enough to pay for the debt, for the debt of my sin. So the Bema Seat is for believers only. All those who are born again of the Spirit of God will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And its purpose is for rewards. Its purpose is to reward faithful service. If you read through the New Testament, you will find many places where it speaks of rewards that are guaranteed and that are promised. They will occur to the believers in the Bema Seat judgment of Christ. So these the author of Hebrews tells us are foundational doctrinal beliefs. And that is where our growth begins in understanding that. 
And then we need to go on to perfection, he tells us here. So these become clearer to us as we study, read, and grow during this stage of Christian discipleship. That's why it is so critical to employ Peter's instructions and those of the apostles throughout the New Testament. Build upon our faith and do it carefully with solid nutrition from the word of God and the solid watering and rain of the Holy Spirit of God, so to speak, and the washing of the water of the word. So the sapling stage of the oak's growth is vital, just like it is in the Christian world. God has provided all we need to make it. It's found in him and through his word and his Holy Spirit as we cooperate, study, read, and be disciplined in the things of God. Daily disciplines of the Christian life are established and profitable here in this stage of our Christian development just like the sapling stage of the oak tree. Just as the tree needs constant nutrients, food, and water from the roots on upward, so do we from the word of God and his Holy Spirit, like the rain, daily efforts, etc., will pay off along the way and at maturity. The goal is for the healthy full-grown, mature oak tree to develop, and this stage helps it to get there. It's the same thing with the Christians. Continuing during this sapling stage, what is also known as the pole stage, or the stage where the trunk development occurs in earnest. This is where we're at in this study. Understand the trunk and its place in the tree's development. Now, I'm going to read some things that are found, and these are directly quoting from the Arbor Foundation in my research. This information is courtesy of the Arbor Day Foundation. The outer bark is the tree's protection from the outside world. Continually renewed from within, it helps keep out moisture in the rain and prevents the tree from losing moisture when the air is dry. It insulates and gets cold and heat and wards off insects and enemies. The inner bark, or phlegm, is the pipeline through which food is passed to the rest of the tree. It lives for only a short time, then dies and turns to cork to become part of the protective outer bark. The cambium cell layer is the growing part of the trunk. It annually produces new bark and new wood in response to hormones that pass down through the phlegm with with food from the leaves. These hormones, called auxins or auxins, stimulate growth in cells. Auxins are produced by leaf buds at the ends of branches as soon as they start growing in spring. Sapwood. Sapwood is the tree's pipeline for water moving up to the leaves. Sapwood is new wood. As newer rings of sapwood are laid down, Inner cells lose their vitality and turn to heartwood. Heartwood is the central supporting pillar of the tree. Although dead, it will not decay or lose strength while the outer layers are intact. A composite of hollow needle-like cellulose fibers bound together by a chemical glue called lignin, it is in many ways as strong as steel. A piece 
12 inches long and one by two inches in cross section set vertically can support a weight of 20 tons. This is from the Arbor Foundation. It goes on to say leaves make food for the tree. And this tells us much about their shapes. For example, the narrow needles of a Douglas fir can expose as much as three acres of chlorophyll surface to the sun. The lobes, leaflets, and jagged edges of many broad leaves have their uses too. They help evaporate the water used in food building, reduce wind resistance, even provide drip tips to shed rain that left standing could decay the leaf. So now that we have a greater understanding about this particular part of the tree's development and the various formations that happen here, we understand more about the inner tree and its inner parts, developed all along during the sapling or pole or trunk stage as the tree grows to maturity. So let's take a look at how these connect with a Christian's healthy growth. So let's go from the inside out as we observe some correlations here. Heartwood. Heartwood, it said, was the innermost portion of the trunk. This is representing the stabilizing factor, that sturdy pillar inside that forms the supporting component to hold up the tree. This comes because of the solid roots and the additional character, behavior, and habits built in the earlier stages of our Christian walk. Sapwood. This carries constant nutrients, mainly water, up into the tree for continual growth and further development. As new tree fibers and portions are developed and formed, the older pieces then become heartwood and add to the stability of the tree, exactly like what Peter tells us about when he told us to add those things to our faith. Those things become part of what stabilizes us in the heartwood of our Christian life. This comes from a lifetime and lifestyle of continual study in God's Word, in prayer, and in relationship as the Lord's Holy Spirit supplies more understanding and water for nourishment to the growing Christian. The cambion cell layer and the auxins. The auxins in the tree's development represent the nutrients and exercise of those nutrients from the Word of God in the life of the Christian. This is what we might call perhaps a transition phase or stage. In other words, it's talking about staying and growing in God's Word, applying it to life in practical daily ways, producing new layers, so to speak, of our Christian development and growth. Therein, the tree is getting stronger, taller, and healthier all the while. Therein also, the Christian is getting stronger, taller, and healthier all the time when this is happening. The inner bark, this represents the newly formed layers of development. These are implanted and stable within the tree, continuing to supply the tree regularly with the nutrients and becoming part of the trunk. That protective layer that steadies the tree 
and makes it strong and able to stand the weather and other hardships. And then the outer bark, the outer protection from the outside world. Jesus made this comment. He said in John chapter 17 that we are in the world, but we're not of it. We have to grow strong to be able to withstand and stand against all the evils around us in this world without letting them get inside to rot us, to infect us, or to damage our healthy tree and our healthy growth. This layer is strong and hard. It covers all the tender trees' insides and allows for healthy, continual growth. It prevents moisture which would rot from the outside world's rain onto the inside of the tree. It would rot the tree. It prevents insects and disease from getting inside the tree. This hard bark keeps the tree healthy, triumphant over the elements and disease and wholesome. So in this study, we've already seen in earnest the vitality of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in our lives through a real relationship with our Savior. This sapling pole or trunk stage, whichever you'd like to call it, of our development as a Christian only expands and extends this as we get taller and stronger in the Lord, as we're growing in the Lord. At this stage, all the preparations and previous building begins to be more and more evident in our lives as healthy growth happens. We are applying God's word more and more to all of life's situations. We have freedom from addiction and sin, for instance, and are learning how to stay free. We are adopting and implementing the character of Jesus in our daily interactions and affairs and in our family. We are obtaining wisdom and direction in decision-making and in all other areas of life. We are finding ways practically to live out this faith and to apply the scriptures to whatever situation we are in. Here we also learn to rely and know the character and trustworthiness of the Lord, especially when we have to go through hard times in this life. Jesus never promised us an easy road. He never promised us a life of health, wealth, and prosperity everywhere. There are hard times in life. As a matter of fact, the wisest man, Solomon, before Jesus, and Jesus himself, both verified that hard times will come, difficult circumstances will happen, and in this life we will experience much pain and suffering and sorrow. So when hard times hit, we have to know how to navigate through that, how to make it victoriously. And that comes by knowing the character and trustworthiness of the Lord. Hard times could be divorce, could be financial disaster, unemployment, could be the loss of a loved one, could be the waywardness of a beloved child. Who knows? There are all kinds of hardships and suffering and pain in life. It could also include persecution and martyrdom for the cause of Christ. One of my former pastors made this comment. He said, when you can't 
see God's hand. You can trust his heart. When you can't see God's hand, you can trust his heart. This is when scripture becomes real and alive to you. This is when you cling to the word of God. There was one of David's mighty men, and the Bible talks about how he fought against enemies that came against him, so much so that his hand clave to the sword. The word of God gives us the weapons, and we're about to read about those, and one of those is the word of God itself, which is the sword of the Spirit. And when we need it, the Holy Spirit of God will give us those living words, what we call those rhema words, that are applicable to that situation and will get us through. God will sometimes deliver us out of situations, but sometimes he'll give us the all-sufficient grace to walk through them. But every time we can trust his heart when we cannot always understand or see his hand. Those rhema words from the Holy Spirit will come from the scriptures, from the logos, and they will give life to you in that moment and for that very need. When attacked as a soldier of the Lord through life with our adversary, the devil fighting against us, that's another hard time and we have to endure it. Paul gives us a couple of places where he speaks directly to these types of things. One is in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. It says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, we don't wrestle against people, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. In other words, it's a spiritual battle with the devil and his forces that are coming against us in terms of some of these hardships and different things that we must endure because we are made his adversary as a soldier of the Lord, so to speak, in a spiritual sense. Verse 13, continuing, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, meaning in the day of trouble, in the day when these hardships and attacks are coming, and having done all to stand. God wants us to stand. He wants our trump to be solid and able to endure and able to stand as a healthy tree, solid in him, solid in his word, solid in the foundation of the Christian faith that we can withstand and having done all to stand. Continuing verse 14, stand therefore having gird your waist with truth. This word for truth is speaking of, of course, the truth of the word of God, but it also includes an element of integrity, meaning that your life is pure, your lifestyle is truly for the Lord, and you are seeking to please him. You've got a lifestyle built on integrity. You really mean it in your heart, and you're truly seeking to honor him. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, not our own righteousness, but the righteousness that has been 
imputed to us by God through faith in Jesus Christ. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the good news of Jesus Christ and how he brings us into peace with God. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, all the lies that he will send your way. You can quench them with the shield of faith. That faith resting in who you know because you know when you can't see God's hand necessarily and understand what's going on, you can trust his heart. And take the helmet of salvation, the confidence that you are saved and born again of the Spirit of the living God, if that has happened to you, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So Paul gives us here a full suit of armor. God has covered every base in the suit of armor he gives us so that when we are attacked from the enemy, our, our adversary, the devil, with lies, with temptations, we can stand victorious. We can stand with hardened bark that will hold us up and we can withstand his lies. Paul speaks of it again in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So as a Christian, we must recognize we are soldiers in the Lord's army. We have an enemy. He's real. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. And he has many tricks in his bag that he uses. And he uses them over and over and over again. Generation to generation to generation. All the methods might change, but the tricks themselves are the same. But God promises and gives us the victory. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it speaks of our victory in this life. And it is our faith, the solidity of our faith resting in Jesus Christ and the atoning work he has done. And the fact that we have been planted in him and are growing into a strong, healthy tree with solid bark that will withstand against our enemy and help us to have the victory. God knows we must learn to stand and to withstand pressures and hardships. And he has made provision for everything needed for healthy growth to full maturity. Therefore, we now understand the various stages and importance of each in our Christian growth to become strong and mature Christians, which is the goal all along from the time the acorn is planted in the ground. The goal is to, that it become a full, mature oak tree. So in understanding this stage, let's keep in mind these final verses for today. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, I want to read several verses here, beginning in verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore 
must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. In other words, don't get bogged down with the things of this world and the things of this life that are all passing away, but rather you seek to please the one who enlisted you, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has empowered you with all that you need and the full suit of armor to make it through this life and to stand and become strong and healthy. And then I want us to close out again also with 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, in other words, be strong and sturdy, immovable, meaning that something or someone will try to move you from your position, will try to bend you, will try to break you, but you stand immovable. You have that hard, sturdy bark that cannot be bent and broken and pushed aside. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This is taking us back to that foundational level of the doctrines, one being eternal judgments, when we will stand before the Lord at the beam seat and be rewarded for what we have accomplished in this life. Our labor is not in vain. God wants us to thrive and be mature because at the maturity stage, there is great beauty and great blessings. And we're going to examine these in the final lesson of this level one of our Oaks of Righteousness study in the next episode. I pray that God blesses you and that this has been a blessing to you today. And may you be able to come back and join us again as we finish level one and then begin to move into the various phases that we want to continue to grow in and understand at the higher levels. May God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.